Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, na'amadu wa nusalli ala rasulih al-kareem. Amma ba'ad. Inshallah, in today's uh, Sirah session, we will cover um, the subject regarding uh, Amul Wufud or the year of uh, delegations. Uh, that's uh, the, the delegation that we'll cover not necessarily will be for a specific year, but uh, the year is referred as the year of delegation, which was after Tabuk. Um, <clears throat> or after Fatah Makkah and Tabuk actually together. And um, uh, there are actually many delegations uh, came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to uh, enter into folds of Islam or uh, accept the supremacy of Islam over them. Uh, according to some of the Sirah books, Ibn Ishaq and Ibn Hisham, those numbers are up to 70 delegations that came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and uh, obviously we're not going to cover all 70 there, just few of them will cover inshallah to get an idea uh, of how those delegations were coming to accept Islam and what, what was the reason behind it, uh, a little bit we'll discuss that as well. But before we enter into, uh, before we talk about today's subject, uh, just a little bit of uh, a review, if you want to call it, uh, regarding the Ghazawat and the purpose of it and uh, how uh, Rasulullah laid down some of the rules. So this will be just like a few, uh, a couple of minutes uh, overview, nothing in detail. And uh, uh, then uh, we'll talk about uh, how people enter into folds of Islam through uh, when the delegations were coming to Rasulullah Um So when we look at the the Ghazawad that occurred, and if we, uh, if we uh, pay attention to it, how it happened, the very first one that occurred, midst of uh, uh, the real fight occurred was uh, the Ghazat al-Badr. Uh, so altogether there were about 27 uh, Ghazawat that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fought. And when we say Ghazawat, it means that uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the one who led the army in that uh, expedition in the battlefield. While the other ones which are referred as a saraya or, uh, uh, which, in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent one of the Sahaba to lead the, uh, lead the army, uh, there were about 38 of those expeditions that occurred. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, out of the 27, there were only uh, 9 of them in which the real battle occurred. Uh, other ones, there was no uh, no fight occurred. And similar things happened in the uh, in the Saraya also in which the uh, Sahaba were leading the, the army. Uh, so uh, almost you can see that the ratio of almost one-third of those... Uh, Expeditions that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam either he went himself with the Sahaba or he sent somebody else with them, uh, engaged in uh, real fighting. Uh, one clear thing to understand here is, uh, unlike uh, nowadays, many of the people they try to portray as if Rasulullah sallallahu was only fighting uh, defensive uh, wars. No, there were many of the battles that Rasulullah sallallahu initiated, and they were. Uh, in which uh, uh, the purpose was basically to raise the kalimatullah, uh, uh, the, the, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to take the Islam to the people. And it was not, uh, none of those battles we find that uh, 
uh, that were for the purpose of just it's not a power hunger thing or just to take the resources of the people and run away these kind of things rather it was to uh, to carry the message of islam and uh, the purpose of that was to remove the barriers out of the pe people's way to make a decision of to accept islam or not accept islam because uh, uh, at the end of the day everybody has a choice uh, in islam it is not allowed to force people uh, enter into fold of islam uh, to become muslim this is uh, 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 an individual choice and anybody who wants to become muslim he can and if he chooses not to uh, that's his choice and uh, this is between him and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is how islam uh, talks about that now <clears throat> the, the 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 rules that rasulullah laid down in all those battlefields were like for example it was not allowed for uh, uh, to, to kill the women, to kill the children, to kill the monks or the one who are worshippers uh, uh, and uh, to cut the trees or not to burn people. So there, are, there were rules that were laid, down, uh, laid out for, for, for fighting as well. Uh, and Muslims were very uh, adamant about very clear, they were very uh, clear about those rules. So similarly, there was a norm at those times were to mutilate the bodies and Islam uh, clearly forbids that also to mutilate a body. Uh, as a matter of fact, Rasulullah he said uh, that, that make the things easy for the people and do not make it difficult for them. And make them, uh, uh, give them glad tidings and do not repulse them uh, from Islam. This hadith of Rasulullah is reported by Bukhari. And uh, not only that, also Rasulullah said about the Mu'ahid, the, the ones who are under the, uh, the, the covenant, meaning they're under the rule of Islam and they have, uh, they are, uh, they, 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 they are, they are the Mu'ahid, they are the, the, under the covenant. And Rasulullah said, man qatala nafsan min ama. The hadith says that whosoever killed, um, uh, Mu'ahad, the one who was uh, uh, under the pledge of protection of the Muslims, shall not smell the the, the Jannah, the fragrance of the Jannah. And uh, the hadith goes on, and the smell of the Jannah is is uh, is so much that you can you can smell it from the distance of forty years. And uh, uh, that shows the importance of uh, 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 protecting even the ones who are not Muslims living under Islam. Okay, uh, now <clears throat> when it comes to uh, uh, the the year of the, uh, delegations, or to talk about when people start entering, started entering into the folds of Islam in crowds or in afwaj, like uh, after Fatah Makkah, the surah was revealed, uh, Surah Al-Nasr, that says, "Idha jaa Nasrullahi wal Fatah, waraita nas yadkhuluna fi din Allahi afwaja, fasabih bihamdi Rabbika wastaghfir innahu kana tawaba." This is a, uh, this surah. In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the Fath. The Fath here is the Fath Makkah, which is the, 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 the conquer or the opening of the Makkah. And uh, about this, there's interesting uh, uh, hadith that talks about Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Actually, he used to carry, uh, used to keep uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu uh, uh, with him all the time. And uh, among the, the people from the Badr, he would go uh, meet them and he would have uh, uh, Ibn Abbas with him. And uh, one of them, he said, why do you bring this young guy among us, the older guys? We even have kids of his age. And uh, Umar's response uh, was actually, he, he said, well, he's among those whom you know. And then, uh, as a matter of fact, one day, what he did was uh, he called up uh, uh, Ibn Abbas. And uh, 
he raised a question among the Sahaba who were there. And they, he said, what do you think of the surah? So uh, some of them say we are we were commanded to praise Allah and seek His forgiveness when He helps us and give us victory, and some of them remain uh, remain silent. But uh, then Umar al-Khattab radiAllahu anhu he asked Ibn Abbas, "What do you think, uh, Ibn Abbas? Uh, do you think the same?" He said, and he said no. Uh, then he said, uh, Umar asked him, "What do you say then?" Uh, then uh, Ibn Abbas said, "It was the uh, end of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam's." Uh, uh, life actually. Uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصُولَ اللَّهِ He said, this is agreed upon that Fath is the Fath Makkah, conquest of the Makkah. But when it says, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا So glorify the, glorify the praise of your Lord and ask His forgiveness. Verily, He is the one who accepts the repentance of those who forgives. So, uh, and Umar bin Khattab's response was, I don't know anything about it other than what you have said. So he agreed with Ibn Abbas's understanding and he wanted to show the Sahaba the, the deep understanding of Ibn Abbas. Uh, and the, there's a hadith actually reported by uh, Ahmad and that says, uh, and this is uh, uh, in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when this ayah, the surah was revealed, he said that, uh, that my death has been announced to me. So that was more of an announcement of Rasulullah passing away. And Rasulullah he started, he, he used to uh, ask for forgiveness a lot. And uh, while even in his prostration, while in sajda, he would say, Subhanaka Allahumma Rabbana wa bihamdika Allahumma Firli, uh, which means uh, glory to you, O Allah, our Lord, and praise to you, O Allah, forgive me. Uh, and th- th- this is what he used to do uh, quite a bit after, since after that. And uh, um, besides that, the, the, uh, entering the people, that part of the ayah is referring to that now the people started entering into the folds of Islam. This surah, uh, many of the scholars, they, they say this was the, the last surah that was revealed to Rasulullah wasallam. So now we will find that some, some of the ayat were referred to the last ayat, some of them say this surah, that, that maybe can be reconciled, uh, reconciled as as a as a surah as a whole, probably this is the last one that was revealed to Rasulullah But that was uh, very close to the the end of life of Rasulullah in this dunya that this uh, this surah was revealed. Okay, uh, but there are other uh, uh, the other incidents mentioned in the history books or the uh, or the sirah books. As uh, Amr bin Salam had this, he said that uh, we were at. Uh, at a water spring where the passage of people was, the meaning people used to pass by, they would bring their camels too, so they can uh, drink water from there and all that stuff, uh, stuff like that. And they, they would ask him about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then uh, they, they would say, he claims that Allah has revealed so and so. And Amr bin Salama says that I used to memorize those words as if they had been recited within my chest. The Arabs used to, uh, used to write, uh, they used to ascribe their Islamization to the conquest, meaning that uh, the Fatah Makkah was the the uh, turning point for the uh, for the Arabs to enter into folds of Islam because they always looked at Makkah and specifically Kaaba is the is the place that was if whoever controls that and if Rasulullah would would conquer that it means he is a legitimate ruler. Hence, uh, uh, when he conquered Makkah, meaning they were waiting for that if he 
if you overcome the, the, the Meccans and you take over the Kaaba, that means he is the legitimate ruler, and then they start entering into folds of Islam. So that played a huge role, the Fatah Mecca. And we talked about that previously as well, that uh, they had the history of still a very, it was not a very old history for them. There were people still alive who were from that time uh, who saw uh, the, the, what happened to, uh, to the people of, uh, people of the elephant. Uh, when the uh, when the army of Abraha tried to attack Kaaba and how Allah Azza wa Jal uh, uh, protected it, and the, the the surah was revealed regarding that to sh- tell to remind the people that uh, this is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala who protected it. So now, uh, that was another affirmation. Now uh, another quick summary, so we will know uh, the impact of Fatah Makkah and the things that that led to Fatah Makkah. If we go back a little bit uh, and we see that uh, Sulah Hudaybiyah that occurred in the sixth year of Hijrah. And uh, uh, that uh, that Sulah or that treaty was uh, uh, was a very strategic treaty that made by Rasulullah by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we stress that very, uh, very clearly in the past also. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made that treaty by the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was a command from Allah to make that treaty and that treaty was considered as uh, itself a victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we can see that from six year of hijrah until the last hajj, uh, that uh, how this victory, uh, this uh, treaty showed the uh, impact uh, and the positivity in the uh, spread of Islam. So that happened in the sixth year of Hijrah, the end of sixth year actually, Dhul Qadah. And then after Rasulullah came back, the, the, the very the next thing the Rasulullah started doing was the Khaybar was conquered and all the surrounding area of the Medina was secure. Rasulullah started sending the letters to uh, different kings, including the kings of uh, two superpowers. Uh, uh, Roman and the Persian empires. <clears throat> and then the next, e- next year, uh, Rasulullah sent, uh, went for Umrah, and now he had 2,000 people, men actually, and some women and children along with him. So f- a year before he had 1,400 people who went for Umrah. Now he had 2,000 men and plus women and children. Then uh, the, by the time uh, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, uh, opened the Mecca, which was uh, actually before Fatah Mecca, uh, there was a, a mota happened in which Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent uh, the army towards the Romans, and by then the number of uh, number of soldiers that Rasulullah had was three thousand men under this army. This was the biggest army as as of uh, until that time. Then. Uh, uh, then the eighth year of uh, Hijrah started, and in the month of Ramadan, which is not even two years uh, completed since the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, now Rasulullah entered into Mecca because uh, the Mushrikeen of the Mecca they, they broke their treaty, and uh, he entered with t- entered with ten thousand men. So he's uh, two years less than two years ago he had fourteen hundred people with him, and now he had ten thousand men who were uh, the, the Muslimin. And then within um, less than a month, right after Fatah Makkah, now he, when he went to Hunayn, he had 12,000 men. And in the ninth year of the Hijrah, which was uh, when the Tabuk occurred, he had the army of 30,000 people, 30,000 soldiers with, along with him. And by the, by the 10th year of the Hijrah, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa performed the Hajj himself, which is like a 
about four year difference between the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and the Hajj. Now he has, according to some of the numbers, uh, 124,000 or 140,000 uh, Muslims who attended the Hajj at that time. So <clears throat> if 140,000 is the number, then we can see that it is 100 times the number that, that came to perform the Umrah in the sixth year of the Hijrah, uh, which was when the Sulayh Hudaybiyah or the Treaty of Hudaybiyah occurred. So we can see the real victory that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised that really happened. Now, when we talk about the, the delegations, as I already mentioned that uh, uh, the books of uh, Maghazi or, or the Sirah books, they say about 70 delegations, they came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, I will just touch some of them, some important ones, and inshallah, then we'll wrap it up uh, uh, today's talk. Uh, so now, one of the delegations that came from, uh, came was, uh, <coughs> which is called Waft Abdul Qais. Uh, this tribe actually came uh, uh, two different times. First time they came in the fifth year of the Hijrah, and uh, uh, second time it came in the uh, year of the delegations, which is Amul uh, Ufud. In the uh, he had uh, <coughs> the first year it was Munqiz bin Hayyan, a member of the tribe, used to trade in Medina. So as soon as he he, he heard about Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam or Islam. He arrived uh, into for, for trading. So <clears throat> he embraced Islam and uh, he made the pledge with Rasulullah that he will go back to his people uh, and uh, do the da'wah. And then uh, he, uh, 13 or 14 of them came to Rasulullah in, uh, in the month of the, uh, of the sacred months. And... Uh, and uh, Ashadji al-Asari uh, is the one who came to, to whom Rasulullah said about him that he's the man who has uh, uh, two qualities, al-Hilm and wal-Ana, which is the, uh, uh, the, the deliberateness and clemency. Uh, clemency. And uh, uh, the, the, this, this group, uh, when they came for the second time, they had about 40 men uh, along with them. The second uh, delegation, and it is not in by in any or means in any order. There are some of the, 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 the some of the delegations were picked up here to discuss today. Uh, the arrival of the, this tribe was the this, second one was uh, Dos, and we talked about that when Suhail Adusi, uh, who came uh, during the time when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was still in Mecca, and he accepted Islam, and he went back and uh, he came back again. On the seventh year of the Hijrah, and uh, the people were not responding much to his call, and uh, he uh, he asked Rasulullah Sallallahu actually to make dua against his people, and uh, uh, Rasulullah Sallam rather made he made the dua in the favor of the people to to be guided, and when he went back, he uh, and this is the seventh year of the Hijrah, and he was able to bring seventy or eighty people, families actually. Uh, along with him, uh, the, the same year of the seventh year of the Hijrah, and uh, when he came back, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was at Khaybar, and uh, he actually uh, took him there as well. So he par uh, he participated there. Then uh, uh, another delegation that was from Farwa. Uh, Farwa uh, Bani Amar al Judumi was a, was a messenger, and uh, uh, Farwa was an uh, Arab leader, but he was uh, 
in the uh, he was a leader in the uh, in the Byzantine army, and uh, so he was kind of a proxy ruler for the Byzantines over the Arabs, and uh, uh, and his uh, he was from Mu'an, and um, when he saw what happened in Mota, uh, he was very compelled and he was uh, he was he admired what the Muslims did. And he went back, he actually sent a white mule as a gift to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he also informed him about his Islam. But when the Byzantines, they heard about it, that he became a Muslim. So first they tried to, uh, get, first they gave him a choice to either uh, reject Islam or he will be, he will be killed. But he continued to refuse and then the uh, Byzantines they crucified him and they chopped off his neck and threw him in. Uh, in the water which is called uh, uh, or the water fountain which is called Afra in Palestine so that was the end of uh, Farwa he, uh, Farwa bin Amir the uh, uh, another uh, delegation that came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was, uh, was the delegation of Suda um, this delegation came after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, he uh, departed from Jirana in the eighth year of the Hijrah. And uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually already dispatched an uh, uh, army of 400 Muslims and uh, uh, towards the Suda. And uh, while Rasulullah's army was camping there, Ziyad bin al-Harith, uh, a Sudai, he uh, he he found out about Rasulullah's uh, army over there. So he came to Rasulullah and he said, I have come to you as a deputy or as a uh, the, the leader of his people, the one who was uh, uh, actually deputized by, uh, by his people to go come and talk to him. So uh, he said, tell your people to go back and uh, he would guarantee that uh, he will uh, talk to his people and they will come to Islam or uh, either way they will come under the allegiance of uh, or the, they will take the pledge of allegiance with Muslims. So <clears throat> so he went back and uh, uh, he brought 15 people along with him and they they uh, they turned uh, they accepted Islam and uh, uh, returning home they uh, in in the in turn. Uh, urged the rest of them to become Muslim also and uh, Islam spread among them and later on about 100 men uh, joined Rasulullah during the last Hajj okay um, there were uh, there were other uh, tribes that who came to Rasulullah but before I go into tribe there's another personality that is important to discuss which was uh, Ka'ab bin Zuhair Ka'ab bin Zuhair was a uh, a poet. He was a shair, and uh, he used to write uh, poetry against Rasulullah, or kind of ridiculing Rasulullah, uh, and, uh, and and he was not a Muslim until uh, until the Taif uh, the Taif was open. Uh, and uh, when when that happened, Fatah Makkah happened, and Taif, uh, the, the the Taif was also uh, opened by the Muslims. At that time, his brother actually, Bujay bin Zuhair. Uh, he wrote a letter to him and he told him, look, what Rasulullah is now doing because now he has authority and uh, the people who were satirizing Rasulullah and insulting him or insulting the Muslim women, uh, they, they, uh, they, they, they are being punished now. So if you really want to protect your life, want to save your life, 
Then he said he heard that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he forgive the people about the, whatever they have done in the past if they enter into folds of Islam because all the sins that were done prior to entering into Islam they can be forgiven. Or you go and ask for forgiveness from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he he went to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And uh, Rasulullah sallallahu he accepted Islam over there. Rasulullah did not know about him, about uh, who the Kaab was actually, meaning as a, uh, he did not recognize him because he did not meet him before. So when he came to Rasulullah sallallahu and he said that uh, he was told that Kaab bin Zuhair has come to you as a repentant Muslim, will he be secure and forgiven if I get him? So Rasulullah sallallahu said yes. So the, he came himself and he said these things to Rasulullah sallallahu So Upon hearing that Rasulullah will forgive Ka'ab bin Zuhair if he becomes he became a Muslim and he's a repentant. So he said, I am Ka'ab bin Zuhair. <clears throat> so upon hearing that, one of the Ansar actually he got up and he wanted to uh, uh he wanted to kill him because he he was aware of Ka'ab bin Zuhair. But Rasulullah told him to leave him alone. And then he actually wrote a famous uh, uh ashar uh, or the verses uh, in the favor of Rasulullah sallallahu in which he was praising Rasulullah sallallahu and and the muhajirin but he did not uh, uh, say good things about ansar but later on he uh, also wrote uh, good poetry about the ansar as well but that was a different uh, place he wrote not the one that he brought up the day when he became muslim okay um there were other uh, tribes who came, uh, uh, delegations came. One was from the uh, delegation of the Udra and uh, the delegation of Bali. And uh, th- then we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Thaqif. Thaqif is the important one because uh, the incidents that happen around them. Uh, so uh, the, so when it comes to Thaqif, we talked about that after Fatah Makkah. But uh, there were some uh, other important events happened about Thaqif was when their chief, Urwa bin Masoud, Al-Thaqafi came to Rasulullah sallallahu uh, uh, in the eighth year of the Hijrah, uh, the Qada after Fatah Makkah. So Urwa became Muslim actually. And he thought that because he was a very beloved leader among them to a point that they used to actually love him more than their own firstborn. So he thought of it, since he has embraced Islam, he, goes, he will go back and talk to the people and people will listen to him. But they did not actually. Not only that, they did not. They they start throwing arrows at him, and he was killed. So uh, uh, so the the Banu Thaqif they continue to be in that situation uh, before the the the, the Thaqif was taken over by the Muslims. But now uh, they were realizing that the situation is becoming tough, and they cannot. Uh, uh, they cannot really stop the coming of Rasulullah because they saw that uh, the whole Arabian uh, Peninsula was entering into falls of Islam. So uh, now they want to send Abdul Yalil bin Amr to Rasulullah but he refused actually. And Abdul, he said that uh, he doesn't want to go because if he goes and uh, come, uh, comes back, then you are going to kill him like you, you did to Arwa. So he did not want to go. So that, then they, they said, okay, then they sent two more men uh, of their allies, so they, they, these three they, they went to Rasulullah. So these three included Uthman bin uh, Ashid. Uh, so they, so they, they sent two men of their allies and three from uh, Banu Malik. Now, so uh, and uh, Abd, so altogether all they became six of them. And Uthman bin uh, Abi As Al Thaqafi was the youngest among them, and he's the one who actually was really interested. Became interested in Islam. He went to meet Rasulullah. So when these six people, 
went to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and they wanted to talk to uh, talk to him about the situation that was going on. So during this day, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam continuously was asking them to enter into folds of Islam. He was preaching, teaching them Islam to enter into folds of Islam. They were seeing how the Muslims were praying. Uh, uh, but they were not uh, entering, they, they did not accept Islam yet. So uh, then Rasulullah Sallallahu uh, uh, when he continuously was asking and then there was a point came that they were willing to accept Islam, but they started putting some conditions. And the conditions were first, they wanted to, uh, they want to have some concessions when they, uh, when they enter into folds of Islam. They said that, uh, uh, they asked him to, first of all, they don't, did not want a lot to be, uh, destroyed. A lot was uh, their, uh, their god, actually, or the false god, the statue that they used to worship, uh, worship with. Uh, also, they said, uh, allow them to commit fornication, allow them to drink and deal with riba. And Rasulullah refused all those things. Now, uh, they continue uh, uh, insistence on these things and then they were willing to give up drinking and fornication and wine and usury but they said, okay, leave Allah alone. And Rasulullah did not accept that either. Then uh, uh, Rasulullah was actually asking them that they have to demolish Allah themselves. So upon that, they say they, they, they continued to talk to Rasulullah that they, they will agree with everything. But they would like Rasulullah to destroy Allah, they would not do it. So this is the only thing that they stuck on and Rasulullah accepted that. And uh, uh, so they uh, they entered into folds of Islam and they went back to their own people. Now as they have accepted Rasulullah's uh, authority over them, they became Muslim. And among them, Uthman bin uh, Abi al-As was one of the people who was, uh, when he stayed there, he continued to be, he continued to stuck around Rasulullah to learn as much as possible. And even those, the rest of the five guys, they would go away and he would go back to Rasulullah and listen to him, whatever he has to say. And hence Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when uh, he sent them back, he uh, made Uthman bin Abi al-As as the uh, as the Amir over, over his people. Because of his keenness of learning about Islam, Islam and carefulness to learn about the Quran and the, uh, and the fiqh from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, uh, he's the very same person actually who stopped the Banu Thaqif for, uh, during the time of the apostasy or the aridda that uh, occurred in the time of Rasul uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu's uh, khilafah. Uh, and he's the one who went to his people and he said, to people that oh Banu Thaqif that you have been the latest or the last ones to embrace Islam within uh, within the Jaziratul uh, Arab, do not be the one to apostatize to do the Ridda first. So he stood fast uh, to the, to the extent that because of him uh, they, they they hold on to Islam. Anyway, so these people went back, but they stayed quiet and they was kind of kind of uh, trying to uh, pretend. Uh, that Rasulullah is gonna come and they're gonna, is gonna attack. But, uh, Rasulullah he sent Khalid bin Walid, uh, and, uh, it was, uh, while they were waiting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually cast the terror, uh, in their hearts in a way that, uh, they did not want to fight and they want to accept Islam. But when Rasulullah sent, uh, Khalid bin Walid there to, uh, demolish the, uh, Allah, 
one of the sahaba, another sahaba among him, with him was Al Mughira bin Shu'bah, radiallahu an. So uh, he stood up and uh, he had the axe and the and the hole, and then he was going to destroy uh, Allah. So he said, uh, "I'll make you laugh at Thaqif." So what he did was he he struck uh, Allah and uh, and pretended to fall down while uh, while running. So now the people of Thaqif, because their their iman was uh, weak and they were still had some connection to Allah, some of the people over there. Not I'm talking about the Muslims. Uh, but uh, the, the, not everybody have become Muslim yet, uh, and uh, they, they had some. They started saying that, uh, uh, tell, telling Mughira that stay away, uh, as if he's gonna get hurt. So uh, or the goddess uh, has killed him. Now hearing that, Mughira he got up and said, "May Allah bring shame on you. Uh, Allah is nothing but a mass of dirt and stones." Then he struck the, uh, the the door and broke it. So, and then he uh, con- they continued to demolish uh, a lot, and they found a lot of jewels and, uh, and garments uh, under uh, under a lot. And they they took it back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that was distributed among uh, uh, among the Sahaba. So that was about uh, Banu Thaqif, and that's uh, uh, it's an interesting uh, story about that. Um, Besides that, but uh, the interesting part about that is to understand that Rasulullah did not make any kind of compromise in the deen here, uh, just to, to just to gain the power or just to get, spread his uh, authority over the people. He he did not accept it. He, uh, not even the point that because uh, uh, they were asking that uh, uh, just give us some concession for this hukum or that hukum like zina or or, or drinking or, or riba. And Rasulullah did not accept any of those things. And uh, at the end, they, they, they gave up and they entered into the force of Islam completely. Okay, uh, besides that, there was the, the Yemeni king also. He sent uh, uh, a letter to Rasulullah. There was a wafth from Hamdan. There was a wafth from uh, Bani Fazara that came to Rasulullah. And, uh, uh, and there's a, there was a wafth from Najran that came. And Najran is a big land. And uh, it's at the distance, uh, they said seven marahil. Um, I, I don't know exactly what the marahil is, but uh, uh, in English it's translated as seven trip stages. Uh, so uh, that's on the south, south, towards the south of the Mecca, towards Yemen. And it includes about 70, 73 villages. Um, and it, t- it used to take about fast rider would travel about uh, the whole day to get there from Mecca. So, uh, and that, that area, the Najran, they had the military force of about 100,000 fighters. So that can, you can imagine how big, uh, of a tribe that was. And, uh, this, uh, uh, and they, they were Christians in general. And they, their delegation came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the ninth year of the Hijrah. And the delegation had about 60 men and 24 of them were from their Ashraf, their um, noble families. And uh, out of those 24, the three of them were, at one time, they were the leaders of uh, of Najran. So Al-Aqib, who was uh, in charge of uh, in charge and uh, of government, uh, he was like a princehood and of government affairs, uh, his name was Abdul Masih. Uh, the second one was Asayyid. Uh, under whose supervision were the educational and political affairs. And his name was uh, Al-Ahim, or some of the Sharhabil. 
And the third one was Abu Haritha bin Al-Qama. He was the third one. He was the bishop to whom all the religious uh, things were assigned to. So they were different kinds of, uh, they had different kinds of uh, authorities uh, in Najran when they came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They wanted to uh, ask him about uh, uh, Islam and he, they, they had very specific questions regarding Isa alayhi salatu wa salam. So they said, what do you say about Isa alayhi salam? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa recited the ayah that were revealed to him for the answer to their question. Uh, in Surah Al-Imran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna min Indeed, the example of Isa to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, uh, like that of Adam. Uh, he created him from dust, then he said to him, Be, and he was. The truth is from your Lord, so do not be among the doubters. And then the following ayah, that was interesting because the, so this is what this ayah is talking about is called uh, is Mubahla. The, in which uh, Rasulullah sallallahu uh, the ayah is saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, then whoever argues with you about it after this knowledge has come to you. So Rasulullah sallallahu has already told them about what, the, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. And uh, he said, okay, now you have given the knowledge uh, besides what Islam is about, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, has revealed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you are still doubting all those things, uh, then come, let's, uh, let's call our sons and your sons, uh, and your women and our women, our women and your women, ourselves and yourselves. And then, then we will supplicate. We'll make the, invoke the curse of Allah Azza wa Jalla, and then, invoke the curse of Allah upon the liars. And the curse of Allah is on the disbelievers. Now, when the, uh, and Rasulullah gave them a day, go think, come back. And uh, in the morning, Rasulullah was told, uh, uh, and then the next day actually, uh, they were discussing with each other that uh, what to do and what not to do. And uh, they agreed that we shall not, uh, we shall not supplicate. So, for, I swear by Allah, if he's really a, this is what Al-Aqib was saying. Uh, Al-Aqib and Al-Sayyid among them. They, they were saying, for, for, if, uh, uh, for, 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 I swear by Allah, if he is really a prophet and exchanges curses with us, we will never prosper, nor will the descendants of ours. Consequently, neither of our, neither us nor our animals will survive. So they, they understood that. They had the belief that if he is the, really the prophet, and uh, they, 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 then they will be destroyed. So finally, they agreed on what they say. Okay, we will uh, we will accept his other offer, which is uh, will uh, pledge allegiance in the way that we will uh, give the jizya to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So they say. So they made the uh, they came they came back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they offered him to pay the jizya for. Uh, for, for, for keeping their religion. Because in Islam, uh, it is, you are not forced to become a Muslim. This is an offer, uh, that you are, uh, you are called towards the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. If you don't want to accept, it's up to you. But, uh, uh, if, if you want to be, uh, want to live, continue to live, uh, by following other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
then in that case, uh, you pay a specific kind of tax to the state. Uh, and I just want to remind uh, everyone again, we have talked about many, many times, that this jizya compared to what the Muslims pay in general uh, as part of their ibadah, many a times uh, it is actually a very small am amount compared to what the Muslims pay as, as a zakah, which uh, non-Muslims are not actually obliged uh, in, the, in the Islamic State to pay. Okay, uh, and inshallah, if there's any question around that area, we can talk about that as well later on. But uh, but by the time uh, they they were going back, especially Al Aqib and Al Sayyid, actually, they when they were going back to uh, Najran, they accepted Islam uh, as soon as they reached uh, Najran uh, on, uh, on their way back to the back to home. And uh, uh, there's another report that says that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he sent Ali. Uh, for a collection, the, uh, collecting the, the zakah from them or collecting the, uh, sorry, the charities from them. Uh, one report says Ali, other one talks about Abu Abeda bin Jarrah is the one actually, uh, he was sent to, uh, to, sent to rule over them as a, as a ruler over them. Um, then, uh, last one I want to talk about today is Bani Hanifa. Bani Hanifa's delegation, uh, is the one in which Musaylama al-Kadhab, the one who uh, who uh, who actually called himself a prophet later on. So they uh, and Musaylama was among the delegation that came. They were seventeen in number, uh, including uh, Musaylama. And uh, uh, that group that came uh, and the, 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 they were they were they were stayed they stayed with the Ansar. And they came to Rasulullah and they, they actually declared Islam also. But Musaylama, there are different reports, uh, contradicting reports that whether he became a Muslim or not. Uh, we know that he was, uh, he was a kafir for sure uh, later on. Uh, he died as a liar, uh, as a kabab. And uh, he, uh, uh, so he, he uh, they, they accepted Islam. And uh, he was actually, uh, Rasulullah actually, he dreamt. Uh, that he had been granted the, uh, the treasures of the earth. And uh, his hand fell upon two golden bracelets, which distressed, uh, which distressed and worried him a lot. And he was taught by the Bahi to blow them off. So he did, uh, he did that and they were gone off. And they were interpreted as two uh, liars who would turn up after the death of Rasulullah So when Musaylama uh, acted the, the, because he, when he was in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he acted uh, in a very, uh, arrogant manner. And, uh, he, he, uh, he was, uh, he showed his haughtiness and boastful and, uh, uh he, he expected to be the, the, sent as a leader over, uh, over Yamama where he was from. So, when he showed this kind of, uh, uh actions, and, uh, uh, however, even though Musalama used to say that uh, if Muhammad appointed me as successor of office, I would be a Muslim. This is how he used to say. Later on, Rasulullah came to him with a piece of uh, palm leaf in his hand, and in the company of his uh, uh, of Thabit bin Qais bin Shammas, he was among uh, he was among some of his friends. So Rasulullah talked to him. Uh, but Musaylama addressed him saying, if you agree to transfer the whole thing to me, 
uh, after your death, I will not stand in your way. Rasulullah replied, if you ask me to give you this piece of palm leaf, he was in his hand, I would not grant it to you. Uh, uh, you are you are doomed, and if you repented and stopped what you were uh, doing, Allah pointed that you would be uh, slain. By Allah, I swear that I I see you now in the very state that has been revealed to me. Uh, and uh, he said to Thabit, you will uh, hear my answer from him. Uh, and then he went away. Rasulullah went away, and he gave his message to him. And uh, uh, Musaylama, actually, as we know. Uh, and we will see later on, uh, he, the, the, whatever Rasulullah said about Musaylama, it came true, and Musaylama was, uh, he did go, we went back to Yamama, and uh, uh, he kept thinking about what Rasulullah said, and uh, how uh, he wanted to be the partner. And uh, he went on, and he, he, he claimed to be a prophet, a false prophet, and they started making uh, garbage kind of a poetry, saying this was revealed to him, like uh, why he was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And, uh, and he also made uh, drinking halal, fornication, um, um, adultery, these kind of things, he made it halal. And he was saying that Rasulullah was a messenger, he's a messenger and so is he. So this is how he used to fool the people. And, uh, in the t- he, but he grew so much prominence among the people of Yamama, they used to call, call him as a Rahman al-Yamama, meaning the beneficent of Yamama. And uh, he even wrote to Rasulullah that I have been appointed and associate with you. So I will have a half and Quraysh will have the other half of the people's affairs. Rasulullah uh, replied uh, in the letter, in Verily really the earth is, earth belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gives it uh, as a heritage to whom he will of his slaves and the blessed end is for the muttaqoon, uh, meaning the final victory is for the, uh, for the one who have the taqwa. And uh, uh, Ibn Mas'ud actually mentions that uh, when uh, two messengers of Musaylama came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked him, do you bear witness that I am the messenger of Allah? They replied, we testify Musaylama is the messenger of Allah. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that if I had ever thought of if I had ever thought of killing a messenger, I would have killed you both. Because it was not allowed to kill the uh, the safir or the ambassador or the messengers from uh, uh, from the other uh, other uh, other countries hence Rasulullah did not do that uh, but he said if i would have thought of killing a messenger they, 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 that would have been these two but anyways musaylama in the time of Rasul, uh, abu bakr an, he was killed by uh, uh, wahshi the one who killed uh, hamza radiyallahu an and uh, he used to say that that uh, killing this person, inshallah, will be enough to take care of the sin of killing Hamza, even though entering the folds of Islam already uh, forgives all the sins from the past. And the other uh, bracelet thing that, that we talk about, the, the dream of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was uh, Al-Aswad al-Ansi, actually, the person who claimed to be a prophet, and he was in Yemen, and he was killed by Fairuz. Uh, <clears throat> so this was, these are the two... Uh, false prophets who were killed later on after Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed away besides that uh, there was a delegation of Banu Amr bin Sasa also came uh, and Banu Tujib uh, and uh, uh, and the and the delegation of Tay uh, as i said we will not go into all the all of the uh, the details of all the tribes the main idea was this to discuss these delegations is to understand that 
the, in the first 20 years of the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the number of people entering into folds of Islam was, uh, I mean, first, first of all, the first 13 years was less than 100 or so. Uh, some numbers, some of the numbers can go up to uh, around 150. But it was a very small number of people who entered into folds of Islam when Rasulullah was doing the da'wah in Mecca. And then Rasulullah moved to Medina, and over there, now Rasulullah as a hakim, as a ruler, uh, he took initiatives, he took actions, including he uh, he was engaged in uh, in battles, he was engaged in treaties, and then uh, continued to do the da'wah by all the means, including uh, just propagating the da'wah through the people and uh, also uh, propagating it through the through the through the wars and uh, and and the peace treaties that within a very short period of time, eight to ten years in Medina time, that Rasulullah was able to be a statesman that not that he had to go now, but the whole, uh, in general, the whole Arabian Peninsula, they started coming to Rasulullah in in afwaj, in uh, in delegations with big numbers, and they entered into folds of Islam because of the way that Islam was implemented by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was not going uh, door to door just just to begging the people to enter into folds of Islam. Rather, he showed us the uh, a way to spread Islam in a way that uh, now Islam was a power that even people were coming themselves to to get the mercy of uh, of Allah Azza wa Jal, to enter into the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rahmah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, and accept Islam and uh, to be ruled by Islam. And of course, that continued on through different battles later on after Rasulullah passed away as well. But uh, the point is that uh, as a state, the, the deen was really spread at a very fast speed uh, after Rasulullah moved to Medina as a, as a statesman. And uh, this is what we have to take out of this, that uh, the method of Rasulullah, how he took Islam and he spread uh, across the world and made this deen victorious over all other ways of life. So inshallah, uh, we will uh, stop here uh, and next week we will talk about the last uh, Hajj uh, of Rasulullah and then uh, we'll be pretty much wrapping up uh, the, uh, the seal of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi inshallah. But if there is any uh, questions or comments regarding the the delegations uh, topic that we discussed today, inshallah, I'll try to answer them. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.